Thanks for checking out the Brad and John Show podcast. This segment of the show is brought to you by John Combest's book, Stalking, Harassment, Internet Trolling, A Guide to Recovering and Rebuilding After Online Attacks. It's a great reference if you've ever been the unfortunate target of a social media attack. It's available on Amazon. Just search John Combest. That's C-O-M-B-E-S-T. John Combest, and the book will show up in your search results. Now it's time for another segment of the Brad and John Show. Can you handle it? Yes, put your tongue back in, John. Come on, what are you doing? Come on. It's back. It's here. It, ne- it, never, it never goes out except to taunt opponents it's and enemies the, it's the and Bra- friends at times. It's the Brad and John Show. You can check us out on the web at bjshow.co. It is Tuesday, but actually it's Wednesday. You know what I mean? It's one of those yeah, weeks. It's the second, yeah, it's the, it's the second work day of the week. Not for Brad, but for most humanoids. Yeah, for most it humanoids. It is the second day of the week. Second day of the week. Okay, we start the show off every morning. John does this incredible service for the politicos and the not politicos in the state of Missouri, where every single day for 22-plus years, he puts a website together that highlights the top stories, political, governmental, that kind of stuff, around the state of Missouri. It's called johncombest.com. What how that happened? J-O-H-N, common spelling, combest, C-O-M-B-E-S-T, just like it sounds, johncombest.com. And we defer to Mr. Combest every morning and say, John, give us the top three stories of what you think are uh, the biggest events going on in the state of Missouri today. Today, we will go from local to global to local again. Wow. The, today, the Post-Dispatch lead editorial is about the Francis Howe School District and specifically how the Francis Howe School District is looking to include black history and black literature in its t- fall 2024 course listings. Now, you would think that this is a positive development, especially for folks who are so racially diverse as the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Well, not actually racially diverse because they're still pretty white. But for folks who embrace um, black literature and black history, you would think this would be good news. Of course, the Post-Dispatch isn't quite happy. And as we've talked about on the show before, the school board at one point said that black history and black literature would be tabled. And then they came back and said, no, we will include it this fall. So the Post-Dispatch is putting a call out today for a couple different action items for folks who are social justice warriors. Number one, they're calling on students to quote, flood the course enrollments. In other words, the Post-Dispatch is saying that the more and more students that sign up for black history and black literature, the better. So increasing the demand angle for it. Their final call to action is that these quote, right wing unquote school board members must be defeated in the next school board elections. So it's pretty um, unique for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch to come out and actually call out suburban school board members by name like they do in this specific editorial today. But it just goes to show that this Francis Howell school board issue will not be going away. It will be garnering headlines for months to come. And again, the really important thing about this is that we will see this battle be replicated in school districts around the state. So that's the number three story today. And and you sent me something which we'll follow up on a little bit later. You sent me a open letter to the staff and students of Francis Howe by the superintendent, which quite honestly, I didn't totally understand. We'll talk about that coming up. Yeah. So the number two story is that Governor Parson announced yesterday that uh, there will be limits on foreign-owned farmland 
in the state of Missouri. Now, this has garnered more headlines recently because pretty much every candidate running for governor, both Democrat and Republican, have said that they want to put a stop to foreign-owned farmland. And when you say foreign-owned, in most cases, it's really specific specific to keeping the Chinese from snatching up Missouri farmland. When I first heard this, which happened over break, Governor Parson announced over New Year's that he would be having this press conference yesterday, it sounded like he was completely taking the issue off the table, that he would be helping his his um, preferred candidate in the governor's race, Mike Kehoe, that in other words, by saying, hey, we're issuing an executive order, this is now off the table. I was wrong about that. It turns out that yesterday at the press conference, the governor said that this was really just a start. This executive order was was really just a start and that he hoped that the Missouri legislature and others would address this this issue in years to come. So specifically what the measure does is it says that foreign-owned governments, very specific foreign-owned governments, cannot own Missouri farmland within 10 miles of a military facility in the state of Missouri. So that's super specific. Well, doesn't that leave about 99% of the state open then? <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah, and I think that that's um, – so if you look, if you're cynical, Brad, or you're a bit of a curmudgeon, you would look at this in strictly political terms and say, number one, what can the governor actually do by ordering a state agency, in this case, the Missouri Department of Agriculture? What could, what could he do by issuing rules or, or demanding that a state agency do something versus what do our elected officials do in the course of a legislative session? So there will be a ton of legislation about this. And then in the big picture, Brad, this just goes to show this is just something else for legislators to fight about that's influenced by the upcoming governor's election. Bill Eigel, of course, is, is this is an important issue to Bill Eigel. He pointed out in a tweet yesterday, I thought this was a pretty clever point, that Governor Parson's list specifically doesn't include the country of Syria. So Bill's looking at this from from a number of angles of, hey, what could we do to make this much stronger? I know that the Ashcroft campaign will make an issue of this. Mike Kehoe's campaign will also say that there's something to do. So expect more talk about about foreign farmland in 2024. And the and number one issue the, is... The number one story today, getting back to statewide and hyper-local, the House Republican Campaign Committee named a new executive director. If this sounds a little bit like inside baseball, it is, but it has local ramifications. The House Republican Campaign Committee has one task and one task only, and that is to elect more Republicans to the Missouri House of Representatives. The Democrats have their own version of this, of course, on their side. But specifically, what was interesting is that the new executive director, who is a woman named Hannah Beers Sutton, was on Scott Fawn's This Week in Missouri Politics midweek update, and she named specifically two St. Charles County districts for which HRCC is looking to recruit candidates. And those are the districts when you're, when you're crossing over 364 from St. Louis County into St. Charles County, right as you cross over 364, there's one district on your left and that's district number 69. And there's a district on your right, which is district 105. Both of those districts will be open in the 2024 elections. There's one other district that will be open as well, and that's Representative Phil Cristofanelli's district because he's running for state senate. So the HRCC executive director specifically mentioned 
those two, oh, 69 and 105, as districts for which they're, rec- where they're looking to recruit candidates to run for the state legislature. So, so it's interesting. So In the- an entire map of 163 state representatives, every year there's only maybe two handfuls of districts that are truly competitive, and two of those might be in St. Charles County. Well, now, now hold on a minute now. Let, let, me, let me ask you this. So in other yeah. words, nobody has filed so far yet? or nobody has stepped? Filing hasn't opened. I mean, but and nobody that's a has... really important part, Brad. Filing only opens at the end of February. And the interesting thing, and a wild card for a, a number of districts are, there are always candidates who in the winter, prior to an election season, claim that they might be running for statewide office. So a great way, if you're a state representative that hasn't done much in Jefferson City, a great way to get a whole lot of attention is to float your name for a statewide office. So nobody has filed for governor yet. People have formed campaign committees and nobody has filed for you know state senate. There's been a whole lot of talk and people announced their intentions, but filing has not begun for any of these offices yet and won't begin for another six to seven weeks. Well, the interesting thing about this is you're talking about 2024. Mike Elam is already running for county, St. Charles County Executive in 2026. And you know what, Brad? There's a number of candidates that are state representatives now in Jeff City that have already announced their intention to run in 2026. But to quote a record that Brad has probably played many times in the 1980s, oh. the Richard Marks song where the chorus was, it don't mean nothing till you sign it on the dotted line. Oh, right. Until these folks go to the Kirkpatrick well, building in Jefferson City at the end of February right. and actually put their name on a ballot. Right. If they pretend that they're going to run for statewide office, if they're pretending they're running for a higher office, just wait and see if they actually file. And that's a building I've been in many times. It's actually a very pretty building, the secretary. It is. It's a beautiful I think it was the first state government building I ever went to. And I went there as a throwback here, Brad, with somebody who you're f- probably familiar with, Carl Bearden. Do you remember Carl Bearden? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who he is. He was a state rep. He ran yeah. for he ran for state uh, right. treasurer in 1996. And as a fresh-faced 18-year-old, I walked into that building with him one time. And I remember specifically being uh, flummoxed by the revolving door out front. And I wanted to make sure I looked cool and didn't get caught up in it. And I hadn't, I didn't have a lot of experiences. Well, with the the interesting thing is then. they have the library there that never, never, there's nobody ever in it. <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> well, you know what, Brad? Libraries hardly exist anymore well, because those Republicans are trying to well, ban all those books. Yeah, I know, right? They're trying. But, but seriously, though, the library is sort of cool because when you go, if you go to the Secretary of State's office, which I believe is on the third floor, if I'm not mistaken, and see, I've been there many times, uh, you go up the elevator, and the elevator is one of those glass elevators, and it looks out over the library. And yeah. every time I go, there's not one single soul in the library. I'm going like, okay, so talking about, you know, I mean, here's what's interesting. If it were a business, the a smart manager would say, okay, we've got all this unproductive floor space that's doing nothing. We right. have to, we have to create, you know, in other words, if you're, if you're renting something, this is the difference between government and private sector. If you're renting something and you're paying so much per square foot, which is how they normally figure rentals and things like that, you're paying so much per square foot. Every foot has a value to it, and you have to say, okay, how can I generate more per square foot from this building? The government, right. they don't right. care. You know, I mean, it's just a big, a big empty library that's never everybody in. And what's interesting is also what's changed. Last time I was there, see, some of these hangovers, what's sort of interesting, I'm going to make an interesting comment here. 
hangovers from COVID in the general public, like if you go into most stores, the plexiglass is down. Get what I'm saying? I do, yeah, because because people realize that the pandemic has been over. Right. Not in government. <laughs> it's still yeah. up everywhere. And still you have these <coughs> goofy changes. Like I was just in St. Charles County, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the uh, I don't know what they call it, the office building last week. Uh, I had to file something. I've been in St. Louis County within the last, uh, you know, the last, last two weeks. And in both cases, they're multi-floor buildings. Back in the day, you could walk in the door. Back in the before Steve Stenger was county executive, there were no metal detectors in the county executive building. You could walk in the door, and if you wanted to go to planning and zoning, it was on third floor. You'd hit the third floor button on the elevator, and away you go. You can't go off the first floor now. You have to sign no way. it. Don't. And, and what's the rationale behind that? Oh, they don't want anybody in the floors. You bring in COVID. You, you know, how dare yeah. you come into their floor and cough in their office and stuff like yeah. that? So yeah, you, what? Because you might end up with a case of the sniffles that came <laughs> right. from China. So what both of them have done, St. Louis County and St. Charles County, you walk in the main building there, and there are these iPad kiosks, and you go over... And you put your name and your phone number in them. I always put a stupid name in, like, you know, it's funny, like when I was in there the other day, I put in Waldo. Scrooge McDuck. Yes, Waldo something or other, okay? And you put (laughs) in your cell phone number, and then it asks you, why are you there? Mm-hmm. And if you say you're here to pay your taxes. To spread COVID. I'm here to spread the right. news here. Well, that's, that's not, there's not an other, there's not a write-in candidate thing. So if you put in something like, let's say you want to look at a plat map in St. Charles County, you would put down a recorder of deeds or whatever it is. And then what happens is when you finish, your cell phone goes off. It says, you have, you are now in line and... If it's something that is normally where you could just jump in the elevator and go up to the floor, now that person comes down from their floor and they work with you. Same thing in St. Charles and St. Louis County. Exact same thing. So what they've created is they've created this incredible bottleneck where everybody coming in has to check in with the kiosk. And you can't just walk into... I mean, like, literally, in St. Louis County, they've actually got locked doors that lead you to the elevators. You can't even get on the elevator. You can't even get into the little area. They actually put up a, a little, a little, um, like, a little wall there with, with doors on it. You can't even get into the little little, little elevator area. Cause so why do you think they do that? It's clearly not just for health reasons. Do, well, they, do they do it just to – because I have a theory on why they do it. They don't want people coming in their office. I think it might be that, but here's here's the other advantage of it. They're able then to take those stats and say, look at how many people come in and look at how overworked we are. And we can't possibly do our job with just this many people. We no, need more staffing to I don't, do I don't think it's, I don't think it's that at all. I just think it's to the point where, you know, you go back. There are things in my life that I've heard people say that have stuck with me forever and ever and ever. And I can't even remember who said it, but... He said, the person said, and it was a he, it wasn't a they, them, or whatever. It was a he, and, and he said almost every skirmish, you know, uh, disagreement, and especially wars, are of, about territory. And, right, of course. And territory, access to resources and women. 
Well, yeah, but that's the but the uh, access to resources like is way down number two because because like for example the whole situation with the Ukrainian in the Russian Ukrainian war that's just about that's just about the ego of Vladimir Putin trying to recreate the Soviet Union the USSR that's what he's trying to do which mm-hmm. once upon a time Ukraine was one of the countries within the uh, USSR uh, which is gone now. And yeah. and he's trying to recreate that the situation in with with going on right now with with Israel and with Palestine and Gaza Strip and the West Bank. It's territorial. It's all yeah, territorial. It. It's all you. This is our land. No, it's not. It's our land. Well, we were here first. No, we were here first. You know, I mean, and, yeah. and that kind of stuff. And think about it. In situation, if you live in a subdivision with a homeowners association, that's yeah. all territorial. And if you've had skirmishes with neighbors, which quite honestly I have, I have had, uh, and still to a certain extent deal with it, sort of a jerkazoid neighbor who has claimed like probably 20 feet of my property. And, you know, I could sort of care less, but I'm one of these guys that I like a nice looking lawn. They might really, really sound stupid. Yep. But we know this, Brad. He cuts his grass like a putting green. And yeah. if you and know, we know how you feel about making sure that because you know you should only take a little bit off the top at a time. Your your grass should be longer than most people think it should. Well, te- technically, you should only. What's the, the 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 theory is you should never cut more than a third of the length of the grass at any point. In yeah, time. it's terrible for your grass. Right, to, it is to, to scalp it. And and not only that, we live in an area where we have this is like. This is Brad the nerd. We live in a transition zone, okay? We're not cold. We're not hot. We're sort of in between. It's not like yep. Miami where you everything's Bermuda grass and stuff like that where they cut the grass year-round. We have a situation where we have extremely cold temperatures and we have extremely hot temperatures. So you have to get a grass, uh, and to a certain extent, it's like a turf, uh, turf-type tall fescue, something like that. I'm, I'm a really nerd on this kind of stuff. That, that can withstand the cold and withstand the heat. But more importantly, in the summer, if you cut your grass real short, the sun beats down on the, the grass actually becomes a cover for the, the, the ground, the earth, and it prevents it from drying out. But if you cut yeah. it real low, it, the, the sun beats down on it because the, the sun, you know, the grass no longer creates that cover, you know, the shade, so to speak, and it dries out the top of the ground, and that's where the grass roots are. So, you know, and the I've even But, Brad, to- if, if folks, if some folks in, in the suburbs didn't have an HOA, there would be no way for them to exert their muscle, their knowledge. You know, it, it's a great way for them to, to regulate what flags you put up what kind of bikini you wear to the neighborhood community pool. It gives them a chance to yell at people, um, to express their anger, and to exert their influence. (laughs) All of the above. Okay, we have to take a break. And just warning you, uh, by the way, it's sort of a short break. Uh, Hold on, let me see where I'm at here. Uh, hold on just a minute. Yeah, a short break just to warn you, John. Uh, we'll All right, right. I'm here. We're, I'm not going anywhere. We're, we'll be right back at 721. 